Often, when I ponder on grief, I think of the Greek epics and the voyages that separated lovers. One stranded on land and one set adrift upon the sea, both longing for one moment together yet unable to have it. Like Penelope in the Odyssey, waiting twenty-five years for her husband's return, holding a belief that she shall see her Odysseus again long after everyone had abandoned the notion of his return. All grief is suffered upon an epic scale. When loss strikes, our world ends. There is no greater struggle than that of recovering from an apocalypse of death. Having suffered my own losses and walked the long procession, I know there are no words to express the depth of the heart's mourning. It is a woe-begone eternal night of oblivion unto madness. Our life is smashed against the rocks of a bitter sea, and we are left gasping for breath between strangled sobs. The lament of the wayfarer is a reckoning. It is a promise between the lover and the lost that there shall be a reunion, and, once had, there shall be no next parting. The Lament of the Wayfarer When the day comes... And I at last clear this dense wood. I shall meet you on the other side. When the day comes, And my path comes back to the place it began, We shall go on to that next place together. When the dawn comes to this night, and I have seen you through the worst. You will sit with me until I close my eyes and I wake in my bed in that home I left so long ago. When the day comes and I can at last pull up the moorings holding my soul in place, I shall journey to you and set fire to this vessel I dwell in, never to leave you again. The Lowest Point Boston, Massachusetts, July 2011 I write spiritual verses rich with ecological references. This paints an image in people's minds as to what I must be like. After reading my work, most tend to envision me as the equivalent of Laura Ingalls Wilder, sweeping over flowered hilltops in a long sundress. When I reveal to them that I grew up a raging tomboy in a suburban slum, they are a bit taken aback. I found my love of nature while exploring the small bit of wilderness near our neighborhood. 
It consisted of a few acres of wood behind the local high school and a small drip of a pond. I spent most of my early childhood here, knee-deep in muck, stalking frogs and painted turtles, catching catfish and building forts. Our neighborhood certainly wasn't a ghetto when compared to those harsh areas in the inner city. It was more the equivalent of the other side of the tracks where the poor kids lived. Drugs, gangs, even murders had been carried out in our community. Yet despite being raised in such a harsh place, when the time came to venture into the city for business matters as an adult, I was utterly out of my element. I am not a city person.